Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 110. We're going to talk about fence drills, playing the fence, and ways to communicate better to uh, be in that position to actually rob somebody of a home run someday. Before we do that, let's talk about the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. Please make sure you take advantage of that EFP20. You can apply that to any bat you buy from Anderson Baseball, Slow Pitch, or Fast Pitch. It's a great way for you to save some money and to help support everything fast pitch and coach prep at the same time. Also, we want you to go to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. If you see value in what we're doing and you would like to help support us, you can become a patron. There's three different levels of support. It's all explained to you at patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. Coach Don and I really do appreciate the patrons that we have. They're doing a great job of supporting us and, and helping to keep everything fast pitch and coach prep going. Uh, but if you're in a position where you can help, if uh, you would come on board and become a patron, we would really appreciate it. Don, we've all seen it. It's an ESPN top 10 play of the day staple. Right. Um, we've seen it at the ballpark uh, when we've been there in person. I have a picture that's hanging up in the cage uh, yeah. in the facility right by my batting cage of one of the players who played for me. It's uh, featured on one of our T-shirts, robbing a home run. But the fence drills that go along with that, the idea of teaching kids how to handle themselves when they get close to the fence, how to gain confidence in their ability to do two things, three things kind of at the same time and make that amazing play is something that has to start off uh, with some very simple steps to begin with. And once we start to take some of those steps, we can start to gain some momentum and eventually start to make those big plays. No, it's very exciting when it happens. It's kind of scary when you're unsure of things, right? So it's something that we definitely need to be practicing and you know, have a, a lot of awareness of where we're at. Right. When I think the first thing that we have to do is, is break it down like we would with almost any other skill and start off in very simple, um, slow-moving pieces so that the players can kind of start to gain some confidence in their ability to do it before the risk increases. Because unfortunately, I think every player at some point in their life has seen somebody crash into the wall going like way too fast, you sure. know, if not full speed, close to full speed. And the picture of that happening and the fear of it happening to me is one of the reasons why I think a lot of players struggle with and lack the confidence in their ability to make these kinds of plays. But we know we talk about the ESPN top 10 plays when we see it. The reason that uh, Mike Trout and some of these major leaguers are robbing home runs all the time is because they've learned how to do it. They started off slow and steady and got to where they practiced it enough that it's not a surprise to them anymore. They know how to handle themselves. But I think we have to start off nice and slow. And so first thing you know that I would always work with players on is putting them right up by the fence and starting off with them being able to just feel with the one hand or the other for the fence and catch the ball close to the fence without even moving to begin with. You know, we'd always start off, for most of us, if I'm a right-handed thrower, 
I would simulate that ball that I'm going back with my right hand going towards the fence. So your throwing my, hand is right, going to be feeling. Is, is towards the fence. And I always start off with that one because I think that's the easiest one to do first because you kind of get the uh, opportunity to use your throwing hand, your non-glove hand, um, to find the fence and kind of get yourself oriented. But we'll start off, you know, a, a foot or two away from it. You know, put one hand up on the fence and toss them a little pop-up that they catch with the other hand. And do that a bunch of times until they start to get confident with it. You know, then, you know, maybe we toss it a little bit higher. So now they put one hand on the fence and they jump a little bit. Then we start a little bit higher. So now they got one hand on the fence and maybe they're going to, uh, to the top of the fence. And just keep building on it. All of a sudden, it's the you know, ball's just going to creep over the fence if they don't catch it. And they start just that simply, you know, getting comfortable with it. So that's the first phase. Then we would switch them around, and now we put the glove hand against the fence. Because you can't dictate. Right, because you don't know yeah. whether you're going to be drop-stepping to your left or drop-stepping to your right when you go mm -hmm. after that ball. And so then we do the same thing there. Now it's a little bit of a different technique, because now they're reaching for the fence with the same hand that the glove is on. And so they have to kind of reach for the fence with the glove hand and then come back to catch the ball. So that okay. can still be a feeler. Right. Well, and, and I always you know, practice that because it's a kind of complicated movement. You know, what most kids want to do is they want to reach across their body with their throwing hand and try to kind of like bear hug themselves at the same time. But what happens then is they don't have enough space. You know, their throwing hand doesn't give them enough room to then reach up and catch the, the ball with the glove hand when the glove... You're in a pretzel uh, right, yeah, situation. Right, when, when your arm's yeah. on the fence. And so we want them to reach for the fence with, with their glove hand and then come back and catch the ball. And same thing we talked about before. Now it's because you don't need you don't need your glove until that last moment, right? right? Yeah. And now it starts off, you know, a nice easy pop up and on and on and on until all of a sudden they're jumping up at the fence and, and maybe robbing the ball and bringing it back in. And then slowly but surely we work on moving them further away from the fence so they get used to taking one step, finding the fence and jumping, then two steps, then three steps. Once we start to get more than two or three steps away, now we're going to add in the partner and the communication part of this. They've kind of gotten comfortable enough. They know that once they find the fence, they know how to handle themselves. Once they know where the fence is, they know how to jump and how to reach and all that kind of stuff. Well, now we have to help them understand as they're playing the game, they're not necessarily going to always be able to know exactly where the fence is at the beginning. They're going to start off you know, chasing after that ball, and somebody's got to help them. So now we bring in the other outfielder, the partner outfielder, to help them understand. Now, there's lots of different ways that you can communicate it. Now, before we say anything else, let me add one thing. If you're lucky, you get to play on a field with a warning track, that's going to help the outfielders immensely because they're going to know heads up. Yeah, how many, you know, once they hit, feel themselves hitting the warning track, um, it's going to help them kind of have an idea of that they're getting closer to the fence, whether anybody's communicating with them or not. The unfortunate thing now with all these turf fields is there's a warning track on there, but it's just painted. They so look, you can't they look tell. pretty. Yeah, it looks good, but you can't tell that you stepped on anything different. It's not like stepping on uh, gravel or cinders or something that you would normally have on a, a regular field. But so if the warning tracks are, that's a beautiful thing. But the warning track is just a helper. It's not the, the solution. So what I've always taught is a really simple way of helping our players communicate with each other. Now, there's other ways to do it, but this makes the most sense to me. When... We're practicing these drills. We start off with the partner outfielder. When the person making the play on the ball gets to within that 10, 15, 20 foot range, depending upon... Two to three strides. Yeah. They start saying fence. 
And as the player who's making the play on the ball gets closer and closer, the intensity and the volume of the fence gets louder and stronger. So it's like the closer you get, the louder I get. So the closer you get, the, you can hear the intensity in my voice, the volume in my voice. So it might start off with fence, 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 and on and on and on until I'm yelling as loud as I can because you're really close. And I'm going to keep that intensity level up as you get closer because I want you to know you are close. You need to be reaching for the fence right now. You are close enough to it that you're going to feel it here in a so second. your hands should be up yeah. when you start hearing Yeah, you fence. should you should already be reaching for the fence then when, when you start hearing that communication. And the reason I like it is it's an easy way for players to hear in the tone of voice and the way that it's being said that the urgency is increasing. I've never liked the five feet, six feet, three feet, 10 feet thing yeah. because it's way too much to say and it's too hard for the, for the partner outfielder really to process it sometimes. You're 22 feet away. You're 17 feet away. You're 13 feet away. It's just too much, too much information for me for it to be useful. Too small a time frame. Yeah. And so then we'll add that in. If she's three steps away when we toss the ball, as soon as she takes a step, I'm saying fence. And then fence fence, fence, until it's like a flat-out scream when she's really close to the fence, and that way she knows, okay, I'm right there. How do you feel, Tori, about uh, taking a quick peek as well if you're the fielder that's moving towards the fence? And, uh, you know, sometimes we'll have a ball go up in the air, and we know that it's going to be 20 feet away from us or whatever it is or a good long run. Put your head down and run and then find the ball again. Is that something that we want to... I, I think you can, but I think that's at a some, secondary part of it. At some point right? during the fly ball? Because I think yeah. without the communication, if I'm looking for the ball, then looking for the fence, and looking for the ball, then looking for the fence, yeah, and I trying think it, to do it, it maybe gets a, a little one, complicated. A one quick yeah. peek no, I think when you're the, hearing the, that? The quick peek, but I think that's something that they should all get used to doing, whether it's going back on a fence, you know, fence ball for a home run or sideways you know, to a fall territory kind of play or any other possibility where there's other people involved or, you know, or potential obstacles involved. Sometimes there's no time for any of it. Right. Yeah. But I think that the communication part of this is something that we have to really practice. So when we're doing the fence drills, what we'll do is, and then we'll continually keep moving them further and further away from the fence. When they get good at it, they'll have one person steps out of line. They're going to be the person who's going to make a play on the, on the ball. The next player in line is the partner outfielders. If the person that's making the play would be the left fielder, the next person in line would be simulating being the center fielder. If it's the center fielder, then that next person in line would be simulating being the left fielder or the right fielder. But them communicating with each other about the fence and its closeness so that they start to work on gaining confidence in, I can trust my partners to help me when I start to get close to the fence so that I can go after that ball with confidence and know that I'm not going to be at risk of full tilt running into the fence and getting hurt or getting hurt badly because you know they've got my back. They're going to be communicating with me about how far away I am and whether or not I'm still going to be in a position to make the play. Now, when it gets really fun is when the communication has gotten to the point where the player making a play on the ball has the 
100% confidence that they can go full tilt and listen to their partner and know when they should be reaching for the fence and know where that they've got time to find the fence and then make the play. That's when the one where it probably shouldn't have been made gets made. Right. Yeah. And and the confidence in being able to do it is an important part of it because otherwise we end up, you know, stutter stepping, slowing down, going half speed, you know, giving up on a ball that we might have had a chance to catch because the fear factor of it is legitimate. I'm not, I'm not yeah. trying to say that... We've seen people get hurt. Yeah, banging yeah. into the fence, even if you catch the ball, is going to hurt a little bit. Yeah. But it's a lot less painful if I catch the ball. And it's really a lot less painful if I rob somebody of a home run and pull that ball back into the ballpark. No doubt. And, but I think we have to build on it slowly. We have to start off with the kids very close to the fence and, and very low risk. We have to get them confident in their ability to work around the fence to be near the fence and still make a play and then slowly but surely keep increasing the distances so all of a sudden it starts to feel like real game action you're gonna get Um, it and now the one thing that can be a struggle is when we're tossing balls that's one i was just about to ask tori that's almost an art too but hitting them at the fence and close to the fence is something that really does take some time and some skill Think about a pitching machine. I've seen people use a pitching machine. The only thing I don't like about the pitching machine for drills, when we're shooting the ball that far, it's got so much spin on it, it's not always realistic. See, I'm thinking maybe from like second base or yeah. you can but move even, the machine even, around even, even just from, to lob it. Yeah, even from second base, you know, the, like the one-wheel jugs machine, yeah. if, if we shoot the ball 100 feet, it is spinning like crazy and it's hard to catch. But I think it's a good supplement to help kids work on the distances. And then we just, as coaches, we got to practice. We got to practice getting better yeah. at it, and understand that if I hit twenty-five balls, and five of them are the like right at the fence kind of home Usable. run that somebody could catch, that's a pretty good rate. Right. And the fact that they're catching some on the warning track, or they're catching some ten feet in front of the warning track, or they're catching some that are ten feet in front of the fence, are all still valuable because it still is reinforcing the communication and their confidence in knowing that they can go back on a ball, they can get close to the fence, and they can still make the play. I don't mind even throwing, too. Sometimes I feel more accurate, especially if it, you know, something like that. Just throwing and lobbing a ball as well. Right. And throwing is an important part of it. For the first, you know, 98% of learning how to do fence balls and playing the ball off the fence, it's going to be a thrown ball or a tossed ball. You want the real thing eventually. When, when the yeah. rubber meets the road, it's going to have to be, I'm standing where I would normally stand in the outfield, and I am you know, drop-stepping, and I'm running full tilt, and I'm going 50, 60, 70 feet to get to the fence. You don't want the first one to be in a championship game. Right, yeah. and so we have to you know, add in, because the timing of you know, that high fly potentially might be a home run ball is different than me throwing the ball from you know, 25 feet in front of the fence behind second base yeah Yeah. and so we just got to keep building it all in but if we work on it you might see something amazing i will always remember rachel dennis robbing that home run i will you know look at that picture you know for the next 20 years and fondly remember that day and think about how cool it was and think back to her starting off with one foot away from the fence you should post that picture tori it was great she was sprawled out all arms and limbs were everywhere and, and just to to know that you know the things that we just talked about, the progression that we went through is exactly how she ended up getting to the point where she could have that ESPN top 10 moment. So awesome. unfortunately, it was just a picture. We didn't have it on video or else it might have been an ESPN <laughs> top 10 play of the day. So For sure. So that's going to wrap up number 110. The fence drill is a fun one. Let's make sure we incorporate it. And the other thing that your outfielders are going to start to really have fun with it because they're going to think, wow, my coach must think I'm pretty good if they think I can do this stuff. Yeah, no doubt. 
Yeah. So uh, make sure you check out Anderson Bat. Take advantage of the EFP20 discount. Patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. Go to the fastpitchprep.com website. Order your Square Cuts training disc. They are available, and it will be one thing you can count on having under the tree for Christmas. And get it to you before Christmas. We'll definitely yeah. get it to you in time to wrap it up, and it might be the only softball equipment that's actually in the country. Get some for your favorite coach. Yeah, yep. so uh, make sure you go to the fastpitchprep.com website. And as always, reach out to us at fastpitchprep at gmail.com or everythingfastpitch at gmail.com with questions, ideas, and suggestions. So for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tori saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Yeah.